Binge Mode is presented by Bud Light. Bud Light and HBO partners for the Super Bowl to marry the medieval worlds. Bud Light and HBO recreated one of the most epic scenes in Game of Thrones show history. Did not ah! see the ending of that Super Bowl spot coming. Being killed by the mountain is a pretty cool way to die. Wonder if we'll see Game of Thrones back in the Dilly Dilly, Dilly, Dilly. universe again. Enjoy responsibly. 21 and up. Warning. Binge mode contains adult content. You ever wonder what Podrick Payne did to get that free slang? Regularly, actually. We wonder about it all the fucking time. (laughs) All the time! So if that's not the kind of discourse that you're comfortable with, please check out one of the other fine podcasts at the Ringer Podcast Network. But if you are into it, because honestly, why else would you be here? (laughs) Stick around. We're going to explore that. I think he untied the Miranese knot with his tongue. That's my guess. Yeah. I think he did do that. (laughs) But like, I guess he just did it better. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I I don't know what he did. It's got a very agile tongue. One more warning. Binge mode contains spoilers. If you don't yet know why we've spent the last few days staring at Longclaw resting bloodily in the snow, mm. please proceed with extreme caution. And now, binge mode. They're coming. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. Doesn't feel. Hello! Yeah! And welcome to Binge Mode Game of Thrones. Proudly part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Mallory Rubin, executive editor of TheRinger.com. What a great fucking website, y'all. Joining me today, now that he's finished parsing the use of was over is Mm. in the new Game of Thrones season eight poster, it's Ringer senior creative, your maester, and Isaac, can I get a drum roll, please? And the sounds of Emmys clicking against each other. Maybe some champagne pouring. Emmy nominated Jason Concepcion. Oh, they never should have <laughs> let us in the building, Mal. Now they're going to regret this. Oh, buddy, so proud of you. Thank you so much. Incredible. And thank you to the incredible NBA desktop team. Mal, the Great War was here. Benjamin Game of Thrones still is. Whether yeah. or not you sailed the narrow sea of content with us during our 67-episode run, we are glad you're here now. We hope that you subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us. Seven-pointed star for reading five stars for Binge Mode Reviews. Also, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at binge underscore mode, a.k.a. the underscore, and join our Facebook group, which is just for Binge Mode fans. And head over to theringer.com slash shop to check out our brand new binge mode merch. It's dope. Including, I don't even remember them. <laughs> Protect Ghost and Knights of Summer Tees binge logo dad hats and tees and the new crew neck sweatshirt. I love them all. It's wonderful. 
It's wonderful. <laughs> Last time on Binge Mode, we had the utter delight. The utter delight. It was a true highlight. Of speaking to Jason Manzoukas about Game of Thrones Season 8, Harry Potter, John Wick, and so much more. And today, we're doing another Thrones mailbag because you all have had so many amazing questions for us heading into Season 8 that we wanted to take another week to answer them. After you listen to today's pod, please be sure to head to the Binge Mode social feeds and the Ringer's YouTube channel to check out all the other stuff that we and everyone at The Ringer have been working on. We have our Path to the Throne explainer video series up on each house. Stark, up now. Please check that out. And our daily countdown of the top 25 moments in show history. And of course, the running Loose End series and all the other awesome Season 8 preview articles on TheRinger.com. What a great website. Right now, though, it's time for Dark Wings and Dark Words. Yeah. So heat your wax. Heat it! Seal your raven scroll. Drop it on my chest. <laughs> Marax <laughs> Because it's time for Ask the Underscore. Jorah the Endall asks. You mentioned lots of reunions you're looking forward to in season eight. Mm-hmm. What are some potential first-time meetings you'd like to see? I'd like to see a Sam Tyrion combo. Two such well-read characters with hateful fathers. Let's, Wonderful. Let's do these together because we have a lot of similar yes. pairings. And I think we both leaned toward listing the characters who we're pretty confident actually will meet. Like, there yeah. are really a ton yes. of potential meetings, but, mm-hmm. you know, who knows when Cersei, for example, is going to link up mm-hmm. with various members of the cast. So this is going to be North Winterfell heavy, not exclusive, mm-hmm. but uh, I think the first one on both of our lists is also the example in the question, which is Sam Tyrion. Yeah. Really delightful to think of these characters interacting. We should note, of course, that they just missed each other know, already in the show's run. Sam arrives at Castle Black and enters Jon's life really just after Tyrion leaves. They're separated by an episode. Yeah. And obviously, they are among the great scholars yes. of the show, great book readers. They will have so much to talk about. A lot of uh, tomes and scrolls to sift through together. Secrets of the world and the history of the world to try yeah. to uncover together. As the questioner noted, hateful fathers, they can bond over being disappointments to their dads and rising beyond that bullying and bigotry to make an impact on the world. Both fathers notably threatened to murder them pretty starkly. It's not what you want. It's not (laughs) what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Not what you want. Weird to say that Tywin probably the better father in this situation because he actually did let Tyrion do stuff. Randall... Deserved what he got. Deserved what he got. Complete asshole. Deserved what he got. Sam and Tyrion, not the only characters in this position entering season eight, Mm -hmm. but among the characters best positioned to steer the course of events and help the people on the front line, you know, the Johns and Dannys of the world, figure it all out. So really excited to see these two bond. Let me uh, throw one out there. Jamie and Tormund. This is on my list too! The Brienne bros. The yin and the yang. (laughs) The bread on the Brienne sandwich. (laughs) Just these two, you know, these two together. What could they possibly talk about? I actually feel like they'd hit it off. Both of them kind of vying for Brienne's heart. 
torment a little more than the heart, going for the, the entire <laughs> everything, the full biological oh, God. <laughs> form of Brienne. Yeah. But like just those two chatting is something that I really want to see. You've got like the super handsome knight and lord brought up in one of the great castles of the realm. Mm-hmm. And then the rough wildling who hasn't, I don't know, when has he bathed last? We don't know. We truly don't know <laughs> when the last time water has oh, rinsed God. the soot and ash and sweat and who knows what else off of his body. This is a man who has claimed to fuck a bear. Right. They both have unusual sexual appetites. Well, fucking a bear on the one hand, fucking your sister on the other hand. Well, hold on. Tormund fucked a bear. Fucked a bear. Jamie. Saved Brienne from, from a bear. A bear? <laughs> so there's so much to talk about. They can sing the bear and the maiden chair oh. together. Oh, bear the bear. And Tormund <laughs> would be like, this song is sexually arousing to me. <laughs> the bear and the bear and the maiden. Oh my God. He definitely the wants clock. to lick honey out of Brienne's what hair are, and that, other parts of her. That is the ultimate Tormund <laughs> three-way is the bear and the maiden fair both. Every time Sheila comes up, I just love to think Sheila. back to the moment when Egret's like, you never fucked a bear. You never fucked a bear. <laughs> oh, shit, her claws were so sharp. Her pelt. Her pelt. She was gentle when she wanted to be. One of the highlights of season seven yeah. was the conversation between Tormund and the Hound mm. when they both realize that they're talking about Brienne of Tarth and Tormund's like, <laughs> you do know her. And like, <laughs> he's just so sincerely passionate about Brienne that the idea of him having a conversation with somebody else who really loves Brienne and has Brienne's love is pretty exciting. Also, two great warriors. Yeah, I love it. Next. Yeah, what do you got? This is probably the most obvious one, but that doesn't make it any less exciting to think about. Danny and... All of the Starks. So obviously, Man. Danny Sansa and Danny Arya is probably tops on that list in terms of the potential for dramatic tension. Danny but Sansa is. Danny Brand's going to be a treat, I think. And that's going to be a weird one. Danny Anyone, Ghost. Danny Ghost. Danny Sansa is one that I'm dreading. It's going to be tough. I'm really worried about it. Yeah, I'm super worried about it. It's going to be tough. You just know that it's going to be, that's going to be fraught. There's a lot of fault lines in there and hidden landmines, and that's going to be a tough one. I mean, we know already from Sansa receiving John's letter mm-hmm. near the end of season seven that she was, like, mortified that John bent the knee. And, of course, she had tried to prevent him from going south in the first place, begged him, and felt so strongly about it that she did it in front of all of their yeah. bannermen. Yeah. She's not going to take kindly to John returning home with Danny and her entire army. And then, of course, when you factor in the variable of John's inevitable parentage reveal early in the season, it's just going to be very tense. But it's also exciting to think about how hopefully the characters will break through that tension and find common ground, not only their affection for John and the war that they're fighting, but Danny, Sansa, Arya are among the three strongest women in the show. Yes. And it's really exciting to think about them. And of course, you factor in Brienne and Liana and all these other characters who are going to be there. This like real fuck the patriarchy moment. Like, I'm pretty hyped about it. Um, here's one that we both have. Yeah. The dragons and Bran. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, that, yeah. That is not just something that we want to see, but I think it's something that the fan base has been th- wondering about. 
in the books and the show. You for, will never walk again, but you will fly. But you will fly. Three-Eyed Raven's words to Bran before Bran became the Three-Eyed Raven. Now, he has flown. We've seen him scout through the eyes of numerous ravens. Yeah. But, honestly, one of the biggest unanswered questions of the story is, can Bran warg a dragon? Right. Will he do it? Yes. And— he obviously has had some direct exposure to a dragon because he was warging and he saw Viserion bring down the wall. But for him to actually get to be next to Drogon and Rhaegal, learn more about them, maybe think about how he could use his magic and his powers to take over Viserion, yeah. potentially. And that gets into the question again of is Viserion more of a white walker, more of a white? Is he sentient? Can he be warged? Really exciting to think about. Uh, speaking of animals. Yeah, let's keep going with the animals. Ghost and the Dragons. Yeah, that's We that's, both have this too. Yeah, that's like, can we just see it? Now, I want to see them all together. This has the potential might to be it, yeah, it, tragic. Don't you see that? I'm just saying, like, the what? I'm just saying, no! what if the dragons, I worry no! that the dragons might try something, but I think that they would say. I don't want this anymore after thinking about that. Okay. That's awful. I just think, I'm, picture <laughs> they, I'm picturing them all together, but I think it would have to be one of those things where John and Danny would have to really shepherd the process. Yes. I think of it this way, like John almost bringing home the mistress and explaining it to the wife. Like, Ghost, I'm sorry that you weren't in season seven. Holy shit. I well, went to Dragonstone. All- Ghost is still yeah. the wife in this situation, still John's main companion, but John is going to ride Rhaegal in season eight. We are in 100% agreement about this. This mm-hmm. is going to happen. So John is going to have to explain this to Ghost, get back on the same page with him, make sure Ghost understands that it doesn't cheapen their bond or their relationship in any way. It's all about the war. It's all about the Great War. Gilly and Tormund, two wildlings, commiserating over, like, wildling life. I'm excited to see Gilly with basically anyone yeah. she hasn't met. And really the same thing goes for Tormund. But yeah. Give these people a taste of something new. I'm very excited about the Gilly Varys potential. Oh, wow. That just seems like it could be utterly fascinating. And we've seen from a shot in the trailer that they will be in the crypts together, yeah. presumably during the Battle of Winterfell. What will those two talk about? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so you are a wild thing. Hmm. How fascinating. I can't even imagine what they will possibly talk about. I mean, Gilly knows how to read now. She's a scholar. She uncovered so the greatest her. secret in the history of the world. Ragger. Ragger. <laughs> so they that, have a lot to Sam talk about. Sam was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, Arya and Bronn. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, it's a real good one because I think Bronn, listen, we love Bronn. Bronn is amazing. One of the great bad boys of our story. Yeah, I love my guy. But he will surely not take Arya seriously at first. And I think that will be an interesting tension of like, you know, because I think back to that moment at the Red Keep before the Battle of Blackwater when he and the Hound kind of squared off in the brothel at the tavern when it's like... No one was going to back down in that situation. And it was like, you know, you want to put someone in the ground when there's like brown ale and beautiful women all around and we have to fight in like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. If a similar situation comes up with he and Arya, that's much more fraught than he even understands. He doesn't understand what he's getting into in a situation like that, if that happens. That's really interesting. I had almost been thinking about it and anticipating it in the exact like opposite Mm. way in kind of like a game-recognized game way. I feel like they might be like, here's another really excellent killer and somebody who doesn't necessarily 
subscribe to what anyone else would call social norms or certainly laws, but has a personal code that dictates decision-making and where that line is or if that line even exists, I think it'd have a lot of fun murdering people together. Oh, yeah. I think they would, too. So I just I'm excited think, about that. I just think that Arya, Arya's background now and her experience is not anything that even the best fighters and most experienced warriors in Westeros can really grapple with. They just right. have no understanding of what she has done and what she's capable of doing. And that makes her insanely dangerous. Yes. Insanely dangerous. I'm excited about a lot of different Arya first-time pairings, Mm. in addition to Bronn, Arya and Davos, and Arya and (laughs) Yara, if Yara is rescued and comes back into the story. I think that, like, we're two tough women who take what is ours is appealing to me. And the Arya-Davos thing, I think, could be really funny because— He just has such an established pattern at this point of basically substituting some sort of young person for For the fact that he's abandoned abandoned his child. (laughs) For his entire family that he hasn't even thought about in four seasons. Do you love your wife? I do, but you've known other women. Don't talk about my wife. (laughs) Don't talk about her, and I never will either. (laughs) Uh, How about... Should the war, the Great War, move back south Mm. or should the King's Landing contingent in some way move north? How about the Night King and Kyburn? Kyburn? We saw how Kyburn reacted to seeing one white in the dragon pit. May I I keep this? (laughs) May I keep this hand for my... For my own personal, personal use. Experiments. Yes. The work continues. Right. As does the masturbation. The work continues. If you apply some... (laughs) Linseed oil to the palm. That was specific. <laughs> to the palm of the white arm. You'll find that it feels incredibly like the real thing. Incredible. I love the idea of Kyburn asking the Night King if he can perform an autopsy on, like, his ice spider. May I examine this, Your Grace? Can I take this horse carcass? Right. Your Grace, may I examine this bear with its intestines hanging up? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. This is a little bit of a cheat, this next one, because— sure also had it on the reunions list, but it's kind of in that middle ground because we think that these characters would have been in the same place at the same time based on years and chronology, but not when one of the characters was basically conscious of what was happening. So Jorah and Lyanna, because Lyanna was basically a baby when Jorah was exiled. So it'll really be the first time that they interact in a meaningful fashion. And Lyanna's such a hard ass, and Jorah has a lot that he feels deep shame about and knows that he betrayed his family and the fact that he's going to interact with now the head of this family, a position that should have been his had he not transgressed and gone into exile. I'll say fate was correct on this one. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) I love Jorah, but uh, I think we got the right leader of Bear Island in this particular situation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. From Aishna Sarkar. With all the characters we know from the show, what would your ideal leader and small council setup be? Oh, I love this question. I'd want Davos as my hand, Brienne as my Kingsguard, and my guy Hot Pie on the throne. Pie Master. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, so the categories that we need to fill are ruler, hand of the king or queen, 
Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, Master of Coin, Master of Laws, Master of Whispers, Master of Ships, Master of War, though, with the caveat that that's a Cersei show invention, and then, right. obviously, Grand Maester. You want to just Let's alternate? Let's go one for one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Ruler. Danny and John. Yeah, I think we both. John and Danny. John and Danny. Danny and John, whatever needs to happen. I think if we're going to break the wheel, then let's truly break it and let's see something revolutionary. Co-rulers. I think John ending up on the throne while I think we would all be like, yeah, John will be a great king. It'd be great to see some real change in Westeros. I think they need their first queen, real queen. And Cersei doesn't fucking count. Real queen ever. To me, we can't answer this question if we've broken the wheel. Because if we break the wheel, that this power structure is not in play. This is still the wheel being in place. I'm not so sure. Breaking the wheel would have to be either democracy or independent kingdoms or something of that nature. Honestly, I'm not so sure because I think a John Danny co-equal ruler, that's That's never happened. That's like painting the wheel in chrome. Uh, Yeah, but we don't know what the— (laughs) That's putting new rims on the wheel. We don't know what the structure underneath is, but I do think that—I think that would be revolutionary in and of itself because they fought wars already to not have a female sovereign. It's also cool to think about them co-ruling because while John himself is the Song of Ice and Fire, they together are also John representing ice and Danny representing fire. They are obviously currently falling deeply into love or at least lust, but they are chasing a lot of the same things but are also really, really different, diametrically opposed in approach in a way that actually seems like it could work. Like they could be a check and balance on each other. With them as our rulers, who's the hand? I'm going with... Sansa. I'm going with Tyrion. I initially had Sansa, Mm -hmm. and then I ended up changing my mind and moving Sansa in this scenario to Wardeness of the North, because I actually don't think that Sansa would really like working for Jon. That's my take. Give her dominion over her own area. I think she can do both, as we saw with Jon Arryn, as we saw with Lord Eddard Stark. I think she can still rule the North and be hand. I think that she's become... Certainly one of the most competent and vibrant administrators in the realm at this point. When Winterfell is preparing for war, you know, she was overseeing almost like every aspect of that process. Why haven't these morons put leather on the armor? Yeah. And I think let's give her a stake in the future of the realm. I'd love to see it. And I just think that she's incredibly capable at this point. And, you know, I think you also need someone in there. Not that Tyrion can't do this. I think you need someone in there who can talk shit to both of these people credibly and has not fucked up as much as Tyrion has recently. So my the, the reason I initially had Sansa not Tyrion is because of the amount of times Tyrion has fucked up and the number of L's that he's taken. But then you start to play out the string and you put him anywhere else. I had him initially in Master of Laws, but it's I don't think he would ultimately take well to being in a lesser station. And I don't want, I want to think about how my team functions as a whole. I don't want a climber going from master of laws looking to get into the position of hand. I don't want yeah. tension between Sansa and Tyrion. So I just want to free Sansa of the confines of this power dynamic and let her go be great on her own. And Tyrion knows how to stand up to both of them. Not necessarily successfully. <laughs> well, we agree to disagree there, but I think it's a good disagreement. Those were the two choices, yes. for sure. Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. This is an easy one. Easy one is Brienne. Brienne. That's what she wants to do. Absolutely. She wants the job. Give her the job. She'd be good at it. Fabulous. It's just like, just do it. Guard the king and queen. Design their security. She loves it. That's what she was born to do. She's been trying to do it all story. Let her do it. 
I think Jamie would be very proud of her. I think she would fill page after page after page in the Book of Brothers, which we would need to rename yeah. the Book of the King's Guard. Yeah. Queen's Guard? Ruler Guard? Ruler Guard. We're going to have to change gonna, all of these We're going to have to change the names, but that's a minor thing. Brienne of Tarth, the job is yours. Continuing to put Oathkeeper to good use. That would Hell be yeah. awesome. Master of Coin. I love this. I had Pod, and here's why. Because he's getting free puss throughout the fucking realm. Exactly. Literally (laughs) so good at everything he does that people just give him money back. Just fucking raining vaginas (laughs) down upon Podrick Payne. (gasps) Slathered. The realm's in debt? Send Pod to the brothel. Right. To create a a surplus. To create a surplus. (laughs) I think it's a good strategy. Who did you go with? I go with Davos. He doesn't have a background in it. It's true. But I think... You need an honest guy in there. Like we've seen the shady characters and what they've been able to do. And they basically put the realm into debt quite quickly. But I think you need somebody who's willing to go to the Iron Bank, go to John and Danny, go to whoever and say, okay, here is what's happening. Right. No bullshit. We've seen, of course, Davos treat successfully with the Iron Bank, securing right. their services for Stannis back in the day. Yes. And then he knows how to use the coin once he has it to woo, say, Salador San or others to his service. Yeah. It's a good choice. I have Davos in another position. Master of Laws, next. I have Tyrion. Who do you have? Well, as stated, I had Tyrion initially before yeah. I moved him. This is a tough one to justify. I, it's, it's honestly unjustifiable <laughs> in any other way except that you want to keep Jorah around. I that's have, the only way to justify it, but I that's Jorah. fine. <laughs> because here's the thing. I can't picture a small council that in any way serves Danny that doesn't have Jorah on it. That doesn't feel right to me. He's her dearest friend and chief advisor. Right? Doesn't he have to be there in some Put way? Put the wolf in charge of the herd. <laughs> He knows how people think on each side of the law. You know, he's been all around the world. He's seen all sorts of things, all types of life. He's wise. I think the other potential outcome for Jorah that would be cool, though, I don't want him away from Danny, but we could put Tyrion back in Master of Laws, put Sansa's hand, and we could send Jorah to the wall to rebuild the Night's Watch, to honor his father's legacy in that way, to do the thing that he always should have done. What do you think of that? That would be actually ideal. And we get rid of the celibacy law so I can still visit him. My God. Hold on. As Sam noted. That's right. Take no wife. Yes. (laughs) It's quite clear on that. (laughs) Good point. All the other stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You're just not going to get wifed up, but. It's fine. All the other stuff is. Already married. (laughs) Absolutely fine. Trist is down in Moletown. If only Molestown Horror were still there. <laughs> R.I.P. to a legend. We um, stand a legend. Yeah, I for Master of Laws, I go Tyrion. I understand it is a demotion for him. At the same time, he will be ruling Castor- the Westerlands from Casterly Rock. I think he's got a great mind for law. I think he'd be very good at it. I think it's a great way to affect the realm, not just now, but in the future, by designing the way the laws work in the greater realm. This is a way to put your stamp on Westeros in a way that will live far beyond your lifespan. I, that's how I'd pitch it to him if I was that's telling sales pitch. if I was talking to him about taking this demotion. But really, truly, like you're gonna write laws that other sovereigns will come in and then modify, and that will be the basis for a Westeros that will live into the future. He tried to get Danny to think this way. Right. When he brought up breaking the wheel again and brought up the idea of the succession plan. What would that look like? Would there be a new way of 
electing a new leader he for him design to figure all, that out. He could design all of that. I think that's a great job for him. That's my pitch, Tyrion. What do you think? I like it. Okay. Yes. Master or masters of whispers. Because we great. each pick two people. I love it. I went with Varys because he he still has to have a role, right? And then Bran, because Bran literally knows everything. Yeah. I so think, you don't even need the little birds. So I just love, ask Bran. I, I think that's a great one. I love that a lot. I don't have Varys on my list. I guess I was just hoping the guy would retire. <laughs> Or be like kind of— Go join an acting troupe again? No, be be kind of like a consultant, like an unofficial consultant. Mm -hmm. He can live in the Capitol and Mm -hmm. just kind of like when you need something, go talk to him. Mm -hmm. I picked Bran and Arya. I think Arya, we need to put those skills to use. I think Arya needs to be a free agent. Can't tie her down. She would just work in the field. So we'd have Bran watching everything. Mm -hmm. And then let's say there's some upstart, somebody at the Golden Company or someone over in Essos that— needs taking out. Arya, do you want to take a trip? Yes, of course. She's probably over there. <laughs> Nobody even knows where she is except for Bran. And I just think her skill set, you can't leave it off the board. She can be anybody. She can kill anybody. She can touch anybody anywhere. I need her as the tip of the spear of my intelligence operation. So in that's Westeros. really what we've landed on. It's This isn't a one-person job anymore. It's not. This is a network. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. We're really solving this. I know, we really are. Master of ships! To me, this has to be Davos because this is literally his trade. He's a smuggler. Any shore, any night. Smuggler. (laughs) (laughs) Although, again, watch that clip of him rowing Melisandre (laughs) (laughs) to the cove. What is he doing with those oars? To be fair, have you seen Melisandre? He was distracted. Hello. You want to see what's under this robe? Yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) I uh, I have Yara for this. Okay. I just think tough beat. <laughs> tough beat when her and Alaria are just feeling the heat. And yet you trust her in a position of power. I just think she's learned from her mistakes. <laughs> and she is obviously a dedicated captain who has the love of her sailors. Mm-hmm. And I think she'd really build an incredible fleet. And I feel like we need an Ironborn out there to kind of counter the constant Ironborn threat. That was I was thinking of it kind of the opposite way. Like, I want her to just focus on ruling the Iron Islands and keeping those loons and monsters in line. And I worry that if she's in the capital, there will just be another uprising, yeah. more insurrection. Get it. People will be back on the stony shore before we even know it. I worry. I just kind of feel like the Ironborn, when they really get into trouble, is when they're just kind of allowed, when they're kind of just like set aside and, okay, just rule yourselves and do your own thing. And I I understand Yara over there ruling the Iron Islands directly from the Iron Islands is good, but I want to tie them a little tighter to the realm. That's all. Okay. Master of War. We both have Jamie. Jamie. Got to be Jamie. I love the idea of Jamie being in the fold with— Yeah. So many of the other people that he's been opposed to for so long. I feel like he'd be a great general. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, he can't fight anymore. Sorry, Jamie. You can't do it anymore. That's fine. But you still have that mind for war. He does. And he also has a lot of lessons to share. Like, here's why you shouldn't charge a dragon. Right. Here's how Rob beat me in Whispering Wood. And don't let this happen. Here's how you can swim in heavy armor when you should be drowning. As you're falling into a puddle of water that is 500 feet deep. Oh, And then uh, our Grandmaster, who else? Yeah, Sam. It's got to be Sam. Sam Tarley. To educate us all. He can still fuck. 
You uh, can absolutely. Still. We're rewriting a lot. We're of rewriting those a lot of it. And like, listen, not that. Hey, listen, Picel was fucking. Picel was out there with the fucking Roz uh, and her vag bowl. Oh, the fucking Roz with the vag bowl and stretching it out. The early douche was yeah. just a bowl. Then Picel, come see me in my chambers later tonight. The thing about kings. The thing about kings. The thing about vag. The thing about the needs to be washed. Regular intervals. <laughs> so you don't want Kyburn anywhere near Kyburn, your small council? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Does anybody want Kyburn near their shit? No. I mean, come on. It'd just be very, very tough. So put your legs in these stirrups and then we're going <laughs> to oh, lock these down. Yeah, no. He's, first of all, not even a maester, so he cannot be a grand maester or an archmaester or anything. That's what they say, that he's not even a maester. He is not even a maester. <laughs> okay, so we've each changed a couple of our picks, and I think with the exception of where to slot Davos, we landed on the same page. John and Danny as ruler, Sansa as hand, Brienne, Kingsguard, TBD, master of coin, Tyrion, master of laws, Jorah will restart the Night's Watch for us. Our network for the Whisperers, Davos or Yara, ships, Jamie, War, Sam, Maester. Can I convince you that Davos should be Master of Ships and Pod should be Master of Coin, and then we can just have the same small council and rule with peace? Again, I need, I need, <laughs> I need an honest, I need the most honest possible man in Coin, and it's, so it has to be Davos. I understand that his specialty is ships, but I just need that guy who's going to be like, we're in debt. That's what's going on. Who's watching the Iron Islands if Yara is in King's Landing? That's the only thing I need you to sell me on. It's a great question. I, I Can't be Theon. <sighs> Absolutely cannot be Theon. I think that there's a world in which Yara is master of ships, but spends most of her time on the Iron Islands. Like, and she's called for when needed. Interesting. We got to marry her to somebody, like somebody good. Tyrion, maybe? Danny. I mean. <laughs> her response to that in Marine was still one of the best. Yeah. Moments all time. Well, I mean, I Tyrion demand, as a purely but... political thing, and then like she can just do what she wants, obviously. <laughs> and now a brief break for a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Binge Mode is brought to you by Daily Harvest. What was the last time you ate a breakfast that you felt good about? Not a bowl of sugary cereal, but a breakfast that's nourishing your body. Now you can transform. Your breakfast, Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers carefully sourced chef-crafted smoothies, savory bowls, overnight oats, and more built on fruits and vegetables. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to eat it. Choose from more than 50 nourishing options for any time of the day, ready to blend smoothies. Savory harvest bowls, soups, and more. Oh, love soup. Just add water or milk to a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl. Up to you. And enjoy. All of Daily Harvest's ingredients are carefully sourced for maximum nourishment and flavor. You can actually see all the ingredients when you open up the cup. Daily Harvest is the easiest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables any time of the day. Folks, we were lucky enough to try Daily Harvest, mm. and guess what? It's everything they say and more. That's right. One of the things that's really nice about it, it's a blend of structure and flexibility. So you know you're going to have the fresh ingredients right there in the cup, but then you can decide. Are you in the mood for a smoothie? Are you in the mood for overnight oats, et cetera, et cetera? Do you want to use almond milk, coconut milk, mm. 
Some other kind of milk. They're always making new kinds of milk, Jason. I love all the milks. Quick and easy for the person on the go. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code binge mode to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code binge mode for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. And now back to binge mode. Next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brendan Evans, who would have the best and worst stand-up routines in the Game of Thrones universe? Oh, man. Oh, I didn't see the part of the set worst. Well, let's go with who we think. (laughs) I think we have a lot of the similar best ones. Tyrion has some of the greatest lines already, some of the best laugh lines in the show. Yeah, he's a riot. We also are just still waiting for the punchline of the honeycomb jackass joke that he's tried to tell a couple times. I mean, I will never get over Shaga son of Dolph. (laughs) Saying, how would you like to die, half man? And him saying, at the age of 80, with a belly full of wine and a mouth around my cock. Incredible. Sounds great. It's a good goal. And then while we're talking about hill tribes, I think another candidate is Braun. And we saw some of his humor when Tyrion is introducing all of the hill tribes people. And then he gets to Braun, son of, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't know him. him. <laughs> That's a zinger, That's folks. A big, big zinger. <laughs> Uh, I don't have Tormund, but I'm going to add him now. I think Tormund is great because Tormund, kind of an early improv guy. Yes. He's big into improv and bits. He lets the, the situation in the moment guide him. Yes. For example. Yes, and. Could the mood have been more tense when John was reborn? <laughs> it could not have. And yet. Yeah. Did Tormund persevere and find a way to make a dick joke? He did. He says, you know, that all... (laughs) They all think that John's some sort of god, but how can he be? I've seen you, little (laughs) pecker. What kind of god would have a pecker that small? I mean, listen... The whole Sheila thing, which we've talked about a lot, is just... You know, you talk about one of the great comic improvisers in Game of Thrones history. It's got to be Tormund just talking about, oh, Sheila... She's all soft in the right places <laughs> down there. He just goes with it. He just goes with it. I love it's it. It's wonderful. Olena. Olena is an obvious than, pick. She's, she's like wonderful. An ins- she's a roaster, an insult comic. A mic dropper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let her just do a 10-minute set all about Cersei. Yeah. I wonder if you're the worst person I ever met. It's fucking great. Barbaro. Babara? <laughs> One of the most savage lines ever. Babara? Even just the way that she interacted with Tywin, every assessment of someone else's character yeah. plays as both truth and humor. Really yeah. a wonderful balancing act. She's a delight. I like Ed. You have Ed on Ed here. Ed has that droll, dry right, He's got that, self, that self-deprecating, very dry, yeah. Mitch no. Hedbergian. Sometimes you just need someone to point out that if there were gods. Right. We wouldn't fart when we die. <laughs> you need to know that every now and then. You need someone to say it. All right, next. <gasps> Any other ones we're missing there? Oh, uh, Isaac Lee says Davos. That'd be a good one. I, I seen you looking at a big heart. <laughs> <laughs> I seen you looking at a good heart. Next. Steven Stevenson. If Simmons ever gifted you a Valerian sword, what would you name it? Oh, this is fun. I had a really hard time on this one. Oh, I didn't. But this is great. Let's you go, go first. I would name my Valerian sword, the very first one, I would name an Emmy winner. (laughs) Uh, And Spice Giver. I love it. What about you? Uh, I struggled. I was thinking about Halo-inspired things. So one, uh, much like in in the vein of Needle, Mm. Whisker. I love that, actually. That's wonderful. 
I love Halo's whiskers. They bring me great joy. So I thought of whisker. And then Halo's glow. <laughs> a little too delightful for something you use lovely. to decapitate enemies. You know, but sometimes the, like, Dawn is very lovely. You know, sometimes yeah, the sure. swords have lovely names. Well, we should just mention that Dawn made from a meteorite. That's right. Not Valerian. So we were just talking about sword names, sword names in general. Yes. Yeah, Dawn is lovely. But I was trying to think of things in my life that I care about. And, you know, Halo is obviously the first thing I think about. What are? Let's help each other think of some more. What are other things we care about or things we hate? So, like, I hate the Yankees and the Steelers. So, like, you could pair one of those with Bane, much right. like Hearts Bane. So, like, Yankees Bane. I right. like the idea of that. And we like shoes. Let's think of a shoe one. Oh, man. Um, a shoe copper? <laughs> Blazer. Knickerbocker? Oh, Knickerbocker. Well, they don't deserve it yet. I love my Knickerbockers. They just don't deserve it at this particular time to name a sword after. How about Zion? Let's wait. Let's give it six weeks (laughs) before we know about that, whether we want to name a sword after Zion. Uh, I love it. Okay. Will, if you could snag one prop from the throne set, what would it be? Oh, man. Mal, you I listed a hundred things, and these were all just the things I thought of instantaneously, so there are probably 500 more. Sure. Should I just read them really quickly? Yeah, just read them. Anything that Ian Glenn wore while portraying Jorah Mormont. <laughs> Literally anything. Would you? What about his grayscale? Like, sure. Would you take whatever that is? The yeah, the, the like they, flayed flesh. The thing that they put on his arm. Why not? Sure. The prosthetic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, actual long claw. Now I have a replica, like yeah. a long claw at home that is really quite heavy and sharp and very that. cool. My but God, the I actual long claw that long claw. Kid Harrington held on set while playing Jon Snow, that would be incredible. You had that on your list too. Yeah, I want all the Valerian yeah. weapons. Just every single one Give of us them. long claw. Give us Oathkeeper. I don't really need Widow's Whale to be That's fine. No, I want the complete set. Give me Heartsbane. Give me the Assassin's Blade. Give me all of it. All right. Give me ice even. I want an animatronic dragon. That's pretty great. Why not? I want like the I want like the dog sized <laughs> one when they were just like the babies. I want the one where they have Amelia Clark like ride it into loot train. That one when Drogon's like huge already. That's the one I want. Renly's crown. I think it's the best crown in the show. He had the best wardrobe. I want Renly's of the crown. Kings. Incredible stuff. A little Knights of Summer ode. Not a Valerian steel sword, but I want needle from needle is great from the actual yeah, show. I would want that one too. Obviously, the High Septon Maynard scrolls so that we can look through and see not only the massive reveal, but all of the shits. I, I honestly I want to see all the shits I could, and all the steps. I could do without the shits and steps. <laughs> the Book of Brothers, I think, would be a really cool, slightly subtle prop to have. Yeah. Love that. Jamie's Han Solo-esque jacket. From the mid-season runs, yeah, when he when he was out in front of uh, oh, Stokeworth, Stokeworth, being like just looking, I'll get you a better girl and a better castle. Meanwhile, Lawless was great; she was wonderful, she was a wonderful woman, very chill. Loved to stroll by the sea. Yeah. Seemed happy to like not so subtly commit to the murder of her older sister. I mean, she was mean, so mean. Dario's dagger. I'm very Fuck the lady dagger. To this blade. The lady dagger. I would like uh, the bars that Tyene's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I would like those bars. Just put them next to my bed. Uh, give me the thimble that Sam gives to Gilly. Yeah, that's so cute. That would be a really sweet one to have. Lewin's maester chain. Any uh, of the maester chains, but I want Lewin's. Yeah. Because I like to think about 
the moment when he lifts up the Valerian chain and talks about studying the higher mysteries and how wrong he got that all. It's a very sweet moment with Bran, though. Any of Cersei's wine goblets? I need a really recognizable one. I was thinking about Mace Tyrell's gift to Joffrey with a big goblet with all like the major, ha- mm. the great houses, mm-hmm. like their sigils inscribed on the sides. That would be pretty cool. That's a great one. Yeah. Pycelle's vegetable. The <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> ah, and yeah, this is the uh, bowl that Roz uh, washed her vagina out in. <laughs> Season one of Game of Thrones. I, oh, the turnip cart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get that turn of cart. That's a great one. Uh, Balerian's skull. Mm. Need a lot of room for it. And I guess I'll take it in the current incarnation after Big, big Crossbow hit it, but ideally I'd like a pre Kyburn tarnished one. <laughs> Give me the painted table for my home. Yeah, that's uh, fucking awesome. I would like it to be cleaned first, disinfected. Yeah, let's, get, let's get Melisandre's juices off of that. I want all essence of Stannis removed. Oh, God. <laughs> Melisandre's glamour necklace would be a very cool prop Hell to have. yeah. A little big. I wouldn't wear it, but I would just like to have it. Yeah, I'd like to have it too. Uh, Davos's fingers. The finger, the finger bag. bones in the, the finger pouch. Bag. It's like, like, how many times do we have to hear about the fucking fingers? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you are good with the cleaver. <laughs> oh, how about the leeches? Gendry's cock leeches? Cock leeches! <laughs> do you have the cock leeches? Imagine going to the Game of Thrones and be like... It's a weird question. Do you guys have the cock leeches? Wait till you hear my next one. Talisa's foot saw. Now, see, I want the foot. I want the <laughs> foot and the saw. I want both. Because you're like, what good is it to just have the one? I want, here's what I want from Talisa. I want the foot, the saw, and that little, like, back box that she had. And she had that box on their back that had, like, all her supplies in it. Yeah. A predecessor to the Herschel fanny pack. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> I want that whole little, like, Florence Nightingale, like, get up with the foot and the saw. Incredible. I want, because I assume that the one they used in the show is not actually perishable, though we do see Arya take a bite of it. I want Hot Pie's direwolf bread. Yeah, that's great. I want that, too. (laughs) I have that on there. What else? Um, Let's see. So I have all the Valerians. I want Jamie's hand. Yeah, great one. Ice in the wolf scabbard. The pink letter. Just to have. Just to have. Dark, but wonderful. Yeah. Dragon eggs, of course. I would like a Dothraki Arak. Mm-hmm. Dario Lady How about Dragon. a Dothraki braid? Like as a wig? To be like, I've defeated someone in battle. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm a great the warrior. little bells in it. Just shake that all around. <laughs> uh, and let's see. I would like a dragon glass dagger. Maybe two. Just yeah. to have. You never know when you that's going to come in handy. Or you never know when you might be like a top of wall watching an ice dragon and just, fly at you and not use it. Just be jacking off in the corner. Oh, what's <laughs> you this? You never know. Oh, my God. Um, let me think, what else? Could I get like a moon door? <laughs> what about a gift? I brought you a falcon. A, I brought you a gift. <laughs> oh, you know what I'd love? Tywin's letter writing kit. Yeah, that's so his parchment, his quill, yeah. his ink pot, his wax sealing. Hell his yeah. letter writing determines so much of the course of the story. That's a great one. I'd love that. I'd like a hand of the king and or queen pin. From which character, if you got to pick? Probably Tywin's. Mm-hmm. I'm with Tywin's. I also, I, like, I'm really partial. Like, there's a lot of great armor in the show, but I'm really partial to Tywin's Lannister armor. Yeah, Jamie's Lannister armor is my favorite, but the yeah. Lannister armor look just looks great. Yeah, they have the best. They Fuck. have fucking great armor. It looks great. Right, really good. The Stark stuff is like, come on, guys, let's step it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. We'll take anything, though, yeah, if yeah, anyone has props. And... <laughs> All right, next. Marvin. Yeah. 
asks, which Game of Thrones character would be the best addition to the Ringer staff? I honestly agree with all of these. The first three that I put down were Sam, Lyanna, Mormont, and Shireen. I agree with all these. But can we read Zach Cram's reasoning for Shireen? Yeah, let's I think we, we have a... Every now and then we have an obligation yeah. to share Cram's descent into madness. Let me just say this yeah. with the listeners. The, the mad, the mad, the mad Cram. Cram. <laughs> Came out, folks. The darkness in Cram is startling and truly appalling to behold. <laughs> Here's what he put. Just right here in a Google Docs comment. I pick Shireen. Yeah. Loves to read. Loves to nerd out over history. Okay, so it's fine so far, right? Is enthusiastic about the things she finds. Mm-hmm. Super nice, true. And then he has a parenthetical here at the end. And in the parenthetical, he says, and the next time the heat goes off in the LA offices, you can uh, burn her for warmth. Very tough. Tough look for my guy, Zach Cram. Zach Cram, everybody. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can burn her for warmth? Awful. There are a lot of issues with that. Obviously, an appalling murder uh, is being suggested <laughs> by Zach Cram. Uh, really medieval in its despicableness. Uh, truly cowardly and troubling. Also, you know, not a long-term solution to heat problems in a structure. Yeah, Because temporary. it's really, you do it once and then that bullet has been fired and you can't really fire it again. Also, clean up, big issue. <laughs> Who's who's getting in there and, and just mopping up this ash pile? You risk alienating some of your colleagues. Yeah, I think it's going to be, obviously, it's going to f- really mess up workflow that day. The screams. Definitely an HR violation. <laughs> the screams. <laughs> Terrible. I guess you could write something into the contract. <sighs> And at will burning. But I mean, it's terrible. This is how we know the Chicago cold is getting to cram. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, obviously, Liana, Shireen in particular, you know, those precocious youngsters that we love here. Mm-hmm. Sam, so well-read, such a scholar. You know who else would be good? Brienne, because she's so loyal. Would really, any task you set, she would see it through no matter what. So what would she, what would she be? She had 400 jobs between being in Renly's Kingsgarden and actually killing Stannis. But she did she'd, not forget to check kill Stannis off her to-do list. She'd figure it out. I also put Tyrion in there as an extremely well-read person. I worry about a power coup with Tyrion. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This is a the experience of a person who's seen a lot in media. <laughs> Casey Kegel, theories on whether Jamie will live or die, and if die, how so? When reading the books, I always thought Jamie would have to somehow die in the process of fulfilling the Valencar prophecy, because Cersei always said things to the effect of, we came into this world together, we will leave this world together. Mm. I don't want him to die because he's my favorite character in the story, but I can't imagine it going down any other way. I kind of feel like it's that symmetry, it's almost too perfect. I'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, we both are on record as saying we really want him to kill her. It'd be so, oh, yeah. if anybody should kill her, it is Jamie. Yes. And we also are on the record that we don't really think our guy has high odds of making it out of this season alive. He doesn't. I think still that the circumstances most likely in the show to lead to Jamie finally killing Cersei is something happening to Brienne yeah. at the Battle of Winterfell and Jamie blaming Cersei for her ruse, you know, backing out on the agreement to send troops to the north. One other possibility I want to throw out there. Sure. Adam suggested this to me. 
I don't personally think this is true because I think Cersei wants to let the army of the dead and all of the army of the living that is up north tear each other apart so that she has to deal with a smaller group after, though, as Jamie pointed out, someone wins and someone comes for us, or for you in this case. Could she potentially send the Golden Company up to try to surprise attack? And could that be what sets Jamie off, potentially, and leads to him fulfilling the Valancourt prophecy and killing her? I mean, I like that, too. I kind of feel like Cersei is going to want to keep the Golden Company close. Like, is she going to be Very able close. to actually have the discipline to just sit there and wait? Yeah, I wonder. I think she's going to want to keep them close. She's going to want to mop up whatever survives and comes down south. Right. Like, with the remnants of that army, of Danny and John's army, she's going to want to just mop them up. Another possibility, though, sure. would be if, uh, this is something we've discussed in our trailer breakdown, and I think a couple other places, the idea of you're on betraying her. Now, we know the Golden Company has never broken a contract, but what's the contract going to be? Right, she sent Euron to secure them. Which is foolish. Ridiculously yeah. dumb. So could he betray her, take the army as his own, and could he attack? And then could Jamie hold her accountable for her stupidity and her betrayal? I think it's going to be some combination of Euron and Cersei, of Euron usurping Jamie's place by Cersei's side in a real way. Yeah. His finger His in the bum. In the bum. Instead of Jamie's. Eating that ass. And... Just being the dick that Cersei has always kind of needed <laughs> and never got from Jamie. The kettle black stand-in. The kettle black stand-in. Like, she, when she went to Lancel, she's like, give me some young shit. <laughs> and I think you're on a little freakier than Jamie. Jamie, yeah, like, yeah. I love Jamie to death. Not willing to really step outside yeah. the norms. Yeah, really basic shit. Just fucking his sister. Just super basic mish incest. <laughs> And Cersei's ready for something else at this point in her life. And I think that is going to be the thing that drives Jamie to murder. One thing about this question, though, and the idea of them going out of the world together that's interesting to consider is, let's say, Brienne's death, other atrocities up north, the living lose the Battle of Winterfell, yeah. survivors retreat, Jamie kills Cersei. How does he then die after that? I think, like Casey suggests, I do think it's, if you kill the queen, that's a suicide mission. You don't leave that room. Whatever happens, you don't leave there. I mean, does the mountain take care of Jamie? Does he fight the mountain on the is he like mortally wounded fighting the mountain to mm. get to her? I wanna Some, I wanna say that I hope Clegane Bowl happens before this. The hound and Jamie in the red keep gunning for Cersei would be fucking incredible. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Two, two little two brothers. People, two little brothers. Two Valencars. Two Valencars with a fucking grudge, and let's finish this now. I dig it. Yeah. Let's take another quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today's Binge Mode is brought to you by Policy Genius. Time has a habit of flying by. But if you have a mortgage, kids, cat, a dog, dire wolf, dragon, anything at all, depending on your income, you'll have to spend some of that precious time getting life insurance. If you need life insurance, but you don't want to spend a lot of time comparing it, Give Policy Genius a try. Policy Genius is the easy way to buy life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers and find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. No commissions, no hidden fees, just more time saved for you. More time to listen to binge mode. Yes. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They also make it easy to find the right home insurance, auto insurance, or disability insurance. They're your one-stop shop for financial protection. If you need life insurance but you're short on time, head to policygenius.com and compare quotes. Policy Genius is easy, it saves you money, and it's fast. Policy Genius. 
spend less time comparing life insurance and more time doing literally anything else. Today's Binge Road is also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Binge Mode Game of Thrones a free stock. Oh! A free stock! Oh! Like Apple? Whoa! Ford? Oh! Or Sprint? Yay! To help you build your portfolio. Sign up at bingemode.robinhood.com. And now, back to Binge Mode. Next question comes from Kristen Bennett. Why is Theon Great question. still alive? Great question. Does he have something meaningful to contribute before he dies? Or is he just there to be a known character who dies in battle? You know, it's an interesting question because in the books, at least where we are now, and I'm including some of the chapters that have been released early, it feels like the books are setting up Theon to be kind of like a Gollum character, tortured you're wondering the whole time, like, why is this guy still around? Why is he still around? But then there's an ultimate payoff at the end where you're like, aha, you needed just this person for whatever sacrifice comes at the very end. The show is certainly not that because he's been admitted into like the highest levels of decision making of the John Danny Grand Alliance. Obviously, there's some where we're looking at redemption, but it's not super clear what his actual structural role is beyond, like, the emotional redemption arc. What do you think? Well, I'm interested in just diving into the redemption question a little bit further because in not only in assessing other people's thoughts and feelings about it, but our own. Because I think something that we've both realized talking about season eight for almost two years between seasons here is that we don't give Theon the same breaks and the same credit that we're willing to give to other characters who have undergone a redemption arc. Sure. So just as the sake of an argument, let's quickly compare Jamie and Theon. Sure. Why are we so willing to forgive Jamie, but to not even engage with the idea of forgiving Theon? I've got the answer. I do too. Yeah. I just think it's worth talking Sure. About. What is your answer? Because what Jamie did was to strangers and what Theon did was to family. I would say that, and I I would add that what Jamie did, he did it knowingly, mm-hmm. and he is never not owned. Yeah. Whereas everything Theon has ever done has been because he was afraid and was essentially a fucking coward. That's the other thing, is that Jamie, as vile as some of the things he did yeah. were, always acted in light of his own true north, which was, right. whether He's it was Cersei or right. someone else. Yes. I'm doing this for someone I love. That's not why Theon sacked Winterfell. It was because he was greedy and power hungry and desperately in need of living up to some idea that someone else had of him. 
I obviously am fully rooting for Jamie and I'm not rooting for Theon. Right. So I'm a part of this. I just, I'm curious to like assess our own logic here. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is like, Theon has these moments where you buy back in and then he lets you down again, right? right? Where he doesn't go with Yara, for example, or he betrays Sansa by telling Ramsay about the candle up in the mm-hmm. tower, or obviously the most recent and prominent example, lets Euron take Yara prisoner and he yeah. flees. But there again, do we give him enough empathy for the fact that he is a survivor of sincere trauma and that in those moments is suffering from the everlasting effects that that trauma has on him. I would counter by saying the trauma is appalling. I think the difference is this, because there's numerous characters that have gone through traumatic experiences. And the reason we root for them is because they step outside of themselves and despite the trauma, put themselves out into the world to risk themselves for other people. Jamie risked his life to save Brienne. Theon has never done it. Well, Theon has never done anything for anybody else ever. He helps Sansa escape Winterfell. At the end of all this stuff, after numerous people had died and been flayed because he was fucking cowardly again. And he's, of course, escaping and he's Right. He's, he's doing something for personal gain here. Yes, that comes, but it's so fucking late in the game. And he had so many opportunities to man up and do something, do the right thing, and he never fucking does it. He lets the fucking young boys stand in for Bran and Rickon, murders two boys to cover his own ass, refuses to go with Yara when she fucking stepped out to save him. It goes on and on with him. And every time he's given the chance is put a knife in his hand and fucking shaves Ramsey's neck. It's like man up and save yourself right now. Doesn't do it. There's just like a million chances he's given to do something for other people or do something that would for once not just benefit him in this given moment. And he just doesn't do it. He rarely does it. He always comes up short. He always disappoints you every time. Even saving Sansa. That was great. Great, great, great. Still is somehow disappointing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's ultimately the key difference is that with Jamie, for example, it does feel like just this forward momentum where he has really evolved before our eyes into not only the person that he always had the chance to be, but into someone he maybe never knew he could be. And Theon continues to sort of vacillate between a little flicker of possibility and then some sort of despair. I think like the Ramsey example is an interesting one to think about because he is utterly broken in that moment. And is it reasonable to expect somebody in that situation to be able to find the strength to make any kind of stand? I don't know. But he's made us ask that question more than any other character, which is probably the reason that we're not able to get there with him. I'm really curious to see what the show's lesson is with him. I mean, that's a great point. Like, is it reasonable to expect him to, after all he's been through, to do the thing that would certainly end in his torture and, like, horrible death? At the same time, Judged on the scale of other characters within this story, mm-hmm. he's like the only one that that would take that route. You know, we've seen every other character go through horrible things, almost every other character. And all of them would be like, give me a quick death. Like, I'm going to go out cutting this fucking bastard's throat. You could go down the line, John, Danny, Sansa, Arya, Tyrion. They would go out being like, I'm going to go out gutting this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And Theon is the one who wouldn't do it. Yeah. Do you think that his season eight arc is going to be an effort to get us to change how we feel about him? Or do you think that that's not the role he plays anymore? I think he's got to die. 
He's done too much. He's really done too much. So to can live. there be redemption for him ultimately if he saves Yara, if he dies heroically? Is there a way that you can get to that point with him where you as a fan of the story say, I'm at least enough of the way back in on this guy that I feel positively toward him and think he served a function? It's got to be like the Gollum thing where he does a thing that only he could do. And without that, they don't win. He's got to sacrifice himself in a way that is so personal and only accessible by his story arc. Right. And that's the way it has to be, where you're like, okay, I understand why he's still right. here. And it can't just be a product of circumstance. It has to be a choice. Yeah, he, he has to make that choice. Yeah. Because as he said before, you know, last time he made a choice with Winterfell, for example, I chose wrong. Yeah. He has to choose right. Yeah. All right. Last question of the day. Glynis Arnold. If there is no throne at the end, who do you think will rule each kingdom? How might the remaining free folk factor into the new Westeros? That's a really cool question. So this is a breaking the wheel scenario where there's no central power. Right. And independent kingdoms have dominion. And some kind of like some kind of federated system. The North. I think we both agree here. Sansa. Gotta be her. Let our girl flex. It honestly would be too dangerous to not let her do it. Yeah. I (laughs) think she'd be wonderful. I I really do. I think she'd be an incredibly capable ruler of the North and not to be trifled with in any respect. And I don't see any sort of sibling squabbling here because I think Arya will embrace her life as somebody who is one with the land, you know, out and about on her own adventures, serving her function, not tied down. You know, as she said to Ned, that's not me. Iron Islands? Gotta be Yara. Of course. Who else? Honestly, last surviving child. There are no other options here that are acceptable. Yeah, Theon, (laughs) the Iron Islands will not follow Theon. The fact that the Iron Islands, that any Iron Islanders follow Theon because he beat up a guy on a beach is kind of crazy to me. It's got to be Yara. They will follow her and no other spawn of Balon Greyjoy. I worry about the future of the Iron Islands if Yara does not make it out of season eight. They'll just do a king's mood and it'll be a bloodbath and then they'll be fine. Bring Victarion into our story. Yeah. The veil. This is interesting. Sweet Robin. Sweet Robin. Protector of the Veil. I think that I think that Sansa is going to have a outsize listen, we're talking about independent kingdoms here. I think Sansa's gonna have an outsize influence in the Veil. I think that she will flex her statecraft muscles by influencing affairs in the Veil because of Robin's fondness for her. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And the other Lords of the Vale, obviously, are very loyal to her, yeah. even beyond Robin. Yeah, so I think that the North and the Vale is going to be, would be in this scenario, and a real alliance to watch out for. So you're not giving it to Shaga? Son of Dolph, no. He's up in the hills just <laughs> eating fucking goats. You're shit. not letting the burned men have a go, finally. <laughs> They're not capable administrators, no. Riverlands, this was the hardest one, I thought, of any of the regions because the only living character of prominence with ties to ruling in the Riverlands is Admir Tully, and we don't want that. I don't want that. Well, I mean— Do you want that? I don't want it, but you kind (laughs) of have to go through with it. He's also married to a daughter of Frey, and that's like a powerful match. You are a delight to me. You are a delight to me, my lady. (laughs) Fucking Admir. Got it off. Gotta say— Got a full court heave off as the red wedding was going on. Here's my take. Fertilize those loins in the midst of a massacre. Here's my take. Yeah. If you are busy fucking while your family is getting massacred and then you betray the blackfish 
and ultimately that lead to his death and hand over your ancestral home and the seat of your power to the enemy because you are a coward. I'm out on you for life. I just think that, like, we have the child. We have the match. Edmure, middle-aged guy. Let the baby rule, then. Let the baby— Let the <laughs> let him be, like, you know, Lord Protector of the Riverlands for the child who will then be the actual ruler. All right. That's what I say. I would also say, similar with Sansa and the Vale, I think Arya is going to have a lot to say about how the Riverlands shakes out. She's got Nymeria there as her proxy, mm-hmm. just watching shit. And I think Arya is not going to let the Riverlands get out of control. That's why I have Nymeria as my ruler of the Riverlands. (laughs) Let the wolf pack rule. And my other contender here, the pie. Hot pie himself. Again, I think hot pie. He's been hanging out the inn, rounding the butter, perfecting his craft. That's the secret. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is, Jason, in a time of war to find the kidneys that you need? I know. I just think that steak and kidney pie. I just think that you know he's in the perfect spot for him. I don't think we need him actual running stuff, <laughs> and like you know the diabetes in the Riverlands would just be through the roof at that point. I think we need a man of the people somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> the man of the people. Uh, Crownlands. This is where Danny and John yes. are going to be, easy. right? Easy, simple, will, simple, easy. Will Danny be content just thinking about her little fiefdom here? I don't know. Again, I think it'll be like a federated structure in which. She is recognized as kind of like a leader figure, but it's offset by this kind of like gathering of high nobles and lords or whatever. It's like a bicameral system. I like that. I will say it's not actually reasonable based on everything we know about John to think that he would be content to live in the Crownlands instead of the North. As he said time and time again, now obviously at this point he doesn't know the truth of his identity, but he is of the North. He is for the North. He will never stop fighting for the North. Also, when he first approached King's Landing, he was like, why would anyone want to live in this dung heap? And what he needs, of course, is a vintage Shea sales pitch. Yeah. Cities make me want to fuck. The country, too. I think that um, here's my counter to that. What is John's brand? Unhappiness. That's true. So he's got to live. He needs to be burdened by something. He needs to be burdened by something. And what better than living in a city he fucking hates? (laughs) That he moved to because of his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It's right. Oh my God. It's perfect. It's perfect. Westerlands. Yeah. Tyrion. Yeah, it's Tyrion. Ruling Casterly Rock. Finally. Finally. The birthright that Tywin so cruelly denied him with Jamie in the Kingsguard not able to inherit. Obviously, Jamie is not in the Kingsguard anymore. We know that. But at the moment in time in which Tywin said to Tyrion that he would rather be consumed by maggots than let Tyrion turn Casterly Rock into his whorehouse, (laughs) time to get some vengeance for that. Tyrion reunited with his horseshoot would be... Really something. He wouldn't need to use the horseshoe, but just knowing love, it was there. I love the nice. horseshoe. <laughs> yes, my father. Unbeknownst to him, I installed a horseshoe. <laughs> oh, the reach. Similar reasons here. Yeah. Comeuppance against a cruel father. Let's put Sam at Horn Hill. And also, like, the Tyrells are finished. There's nobody else. So would have to be the Tarleys, who are, you know, one of the strongest houses of the reach. They Guard the borderlands there. And yeah, Gilly put them can help out, you know? Gilly be great. Gilly? Young Sam? Walking really stiltedly in dresses <laughs> around the reach. No more dresses. She can wear what she wants. Yeah. 
The Stormlands, another one we agree on. Gendry. Yeah, as we've stated before, the Baratheon, House Baratheon, and the Stormlands are, they've had some experience with bastards ruling, so Gendry is fine. And he could be legitimized. Sure, easily. But doesn't have to be. Yeah. Take your father's old seat. Dorn. Interesting. This was hard. It's hard. I have a couple left field ones to okay, throw out there, it. but I struggled with this one. Braun, because he needs, as we know, a castle. He keeps bringing it up. Needs a girl, needs a castle. And he really seemed to take to the Dornish climate, the Dornish women. He the loves Dornish to sing titties. about the Dornishman's wife. He's tasted the Dornishman's wife. He's had the titties on the bars. <laughs> I think he'd do well down there. I went with a book character, Edric Dane, the uh, young lord of Starfall. I think it has to be a Dornish person because Dorn is very, listen, the history of Dorn will tell you that they're not fond of outsiders. Bronn, while they- I, inter- I should say, I interpreted this as show characters only. Uh, so, I think you'd have to- I think Elimination you'd, of actual Dornish characters. Yeah, I think you'd have to, they'd, we'd have to like invent some living Dornish character to be like, okay, Tyene, you run it or something. Tyene, RIP, but still, I just don't think the Dornish would take well to an outsider ruling over them. How would you feel about putting the Dothraki down in Dorne? How do you think the Dornish would feel about it? Again, on the show, there basically are no Dornish. Yeah. Now, they never got the Dornish army that they were sailing for because, of course, they were too busy trying to fuck. So there's an army sitting there, presumably, right? I think the Dornish would be like, so let me get this straight. You're going to take all the savage horse people and you're going to, like, have them live here. That's a tough look for us. (laughs) I think, again, it would have to be some native Dornish person that does not exist in the show right now. For it to really work down there, unless it's just, you're just be like, fuck Dorn and let it all fall apart. Which basically the show does, so might as well. Yeah. Vacation spot? Definitely. It's the Palm <laughs> Springs of, <laughs> the Palm Springs of Westeros. Yeah, it's hard if we're eliminating book characters to really think of a good pick here. Yeah. It's really, really tough. I mean, we know that in Showland, Oberyn had other children too. So, so yeah, Luke, rise get, another sand snake. There's so many, sand snake so many sand snakes. We never met on the show. Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. Let's get a sand snake in there. We got a bonus one for you. Wouldn't be a binge mode without a Harry mention. Shoshana Benjamin. Yes. When you two are put in charge of creating the Harry Potter TV series, thank you, Shoshana. Please send letters to HBO, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Crackle, et cetera. Will you stay completely faithful to the books or like with GOT, make changes? Yeah. Interesting question. So obviously a key difference is that the Harry Potter series is finished, mm-hmm. whereas A Song of Ice and Fire remains a work in progress. Yes. But philosophically, what do you think of this? We remain faithful in large part because, as you said, the story is finished. It's been completed end to end. But I think that there's a lot of areas there to flesh out. I think of, you know, the two prime ministers. There's areas like that where you can kind of flesh out the intersection between the muggle and the wizarding world in ways that really add to the story. You know, like the Manzukas's idea you have listed here of the Marauders, like yeah. let's go back and delve into the Marauders. Let's go back and delve into the first wizarding war. Let's yeah. go, like let's do yes. that stuff. There's a lot of areas around flashbacks that you can really flesh out this story. Yeah, I agree. I think for some Thrones book lovers, one of the struggles with the show is, well, there are things I love that are missing. And I don't think we'd have that problem in our Harry series. Everything would be in there and then more, more. And obviously not everybody feels 
positively about this. But the fact that J.K. Rowling is continuing to create, I think we would be able to account for new information, new additions to the canon, and continue to build and flesh out various aspects of the world. Min tumble bottle episode? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Eloise, here we come! <laughs> and... I think another thing that we would be able to do, much like we've seen with the Cursed Child production, is mm. to diversify the set of characters. Yeah. That would be a sincere goal of ours. But hey, folks, only one way to find out what we'd do, and that's to let us do it. Hire us now! <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. We must pod together now or die. That's what we keep telling Isaac Lee and Zach Cram, our indispensable producer and researcher. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today, that you're as excited as we are to continue mm -hmm. this journey. And that you'll join us again next week for the final oh my God. preview episode before season eight of Game of Thrones. Crazy. Slightly terrifying. Really terrifying. My stomach clenched uncomfortably while yeah. saying that out loud. Until then, remember, this goes beyond loyalty. This is about survival. This is about binge mode. I'm thinking about vagina balls. <laughs> I'm deep. Some clean water. I wash the genitalia. And you get it clean. The stink can fester. Oh my God. Close quarters in the heat of King's Landing. Put a little rose water in the bowl. And then sponge off the vagina. Oh my God. Before stretching. <laughs>